Come on, we're going to do teeth, and I'm going to record a thing for my running podcast while you um, do your teeth. So that gives me two minutes of you brushing your teeth whilst I uh, record a little thing. But my so. but my time on my toothbrush is lacking. Can you time on your phone? Yeah. Your watch, right? Yeah, I'll time it. Right, there you go. There you go. Really good brushing. Top teeth, bottom teeth, back teeth. Front teeth, upside down teeth. I'm supposed to put all the teeth. Don't rinse it off, you goose. Right. No. Right, there's toothpaste on there. Don't, I do some. Don't blast it off with the, the tap, just a little bit of gentle. Okay? Right, go. So I've been for a run this morning and uh, I feel quite good actually. It's on Portsdown Hill, which is the noisy, air polluted bit of scrubland above Portsmouth. I have to go under the motorway to get there. And it's pretty small height wise, but I found that there's a lot of trails all the way along it underneath some white chalky cliffs which overlook Portsmouth. And it's really steep, short but steep. So I've managed to do plenty of walking up and down, uh, walking up and running down and running along. So ran for about an hour and a half this morning and brush your back teeth. Come on. <laughs> Do them really well. All the ones in the back teeth. Well done. Did you do the top teeth? Uh-huh. Let me have a go. Uh-huh. Hi, and welcome to our podcast about the Bob Graham Round. A 66-ish mile run in the Lake District up and over 42 of England's tallest mountains in under 24 hours. Recorded throughout 2018 and 2019, this is an audio account of a year preparing for and attempting the BGR. These are our Bob Graham sounds. Now that hill was to become my best friend after the quad cramps on the recce last week at the end of what should have been a run along leg four but for me it had to be aborted very early the descent into wasdale just killed me that cramp might be a psychosomatic thing and then a feedback loop where you end up with a somatopsychic thing where the body is then feeding into the mind but i'm taking on board salt every day now uh, to limit the cramp. I'm not cycling anymore, hence getting the train and now walking, and I'm going to do all the drills and stretches that Helen gives me. I'm also sticking to my new quad cramp prevention vinegar dosing plan. One thing that came out in all the research that stops them better than anything else is vinegar, and in particular, the vinegar from jars of pickles. Daily spoonfuls of rancid juice from the pickle jar. I hate vinegar. And I've had a trip to Ikea and stocked up on some little sachets which I will put inside my pack and take with me to down at the top of Skidor before the first descent. I'm leaving nothing to chance. I had stopped cycling to work altogether and I just got up and ran. And ran. Then put your hand in <coughs> and ran. Then put your hand in <coughs> Up and down. Then put your hand in <coughs> the same hill. Then put your hand in <coughs> Over. Then put your hand in <coughs> and over. And with just three weeks to go, I'm asking anyone and everyone for advice. So my attempt is is coming three weeks' time. Nikki Spinks, for example, what would you be doing at this stage before a round? Three weeks before, I think I'd sort of start buying, like, my food or whatever, not the stuff that might go off, because the last week tends to be a bit manic. Supporters start to decide they don't know where they're going and ask you lots of questions, and you, you you just want to have sort of everything sorted out so that on the day you can just, or the day before, you can just pack up and go very quickly. So I think that's what I do. I start checking, like my head torches, making sure I've got enough batteries and they're all charged up. And if I need any socks 
or anything like that, getting them ordered. And then trying to get enough sleep and eat sort of fairly well. Naturally, the WhatsApp group is a buzz. I'm now trying corn fake ham in my packed lunch. Doesn't look the appetizing, but might be okay. Fake meat report could not tell the difference. So, unless the fake ham is the expensive, which I doubt, I cannot see an argument for real supermarket ham over fake. Just an issue of availability, as they don't seem to have it in the Burley Co-op. I have just bought some overpriced capsules, so expect that by tomorrow or shortly thereafter, I will be the English Scott Durick. Or the proud owner of the beanstalk. But, as any experienced ultra-runner will tell you, you can take all the fake ham and vinegar sachets you like into the mountains, but if the weather turns bad, you ain't gonna get round. And that, I think, is the biggest uncontrollable. So whether it's looking to the skies or looking to the app in your pocket, you do start to worry about the weather. I haven't started checking weather forecasts yet, but I think once we get two weeks out, I think I'll, I'll start getting twitchy about yeah. that. Yeah, you know, last year was just hot and dry from now on, mm. but it was a bit too hot for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this unsettled weather, and I got it on the double paddy. I, I was weather watching, you know, it just kept changing and changing, and in the end I went and we got, I think on every leg we got clag. I suppose you just have to make a decision on that. I would generally have two weekends in, just because it makes it easier to bin the first weekend. Yeah, logistically, you know, it's just difficult often, yeah, isn't it, with our busy difficult. lives to, yeah. to fit all of that in. So, um, I mean, yeah, and you're living in the south as well, yes. a lot of you. Yeah, I was um, impressed at how much you did living in the south. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of lot of repeat running up and down quite small hills. I did seven up and downs of a hill near me, which I worked out was the equivalent of two skidors the other weekend, but it's a fairly boring seven yeah. up and downs of a, of a relatively small hill. Yeah. After the problems yeah. with my quads when I went running with Mark and Matt and Beanie, I decided I needed one more recce. And so on my own, I decided to put my legs through their paces just to sort of reassure my mind that I'm not going to flake out on that first downhill. Prediction show. people this week for the podcast one of them was Richard Asquith author of the book about the round Feet in the Clouds which I've reordered because I haven't read it for ages so I'm going to read it again before I talk to him he's agreed to have a chat with me which would be brilliant and he was sort of asking when's your attempt and you know how are you feeling da, da, da. and I said I want one more recce in the attempts on the 21st of June and he said you just need to take it steady now don't get injured you know the last thing you need is an injury I was thinking, oh, my knee's sore, and my ankle's sore, and my hip's sore, and my groin's sore, and the top of my foot is sore, and the toe, my toe is sore, and just everything was aching. But this morning, it's not. I just feel like if I can avoid a proper injury, I nearly turned my ankle yesterday. It's had one of those moments where you sort of go over, but you just rescue it, and, you know, and then you hobble for... 30 seconds and then it sort of disappears and it's absolutely fine this morning but it does make you realise you could be close to coming a cropper at any time but uh, if I can avoid a proper injury then I've got to remember that thing that I've heard other professional sportsmen say, footballers and runners and all sorts is that lots of the time you turn up to the 
start line, kick off, whatever it is, the beginning of the event, and you're only partially fit, the number of times when you've gone to start an event and been 100% fit are very few and far between. So I've got a trust in the fact that I've got a big base of endurance from all that cycling. I'm putting the putting the finessing touches in now and don't panic over it. Hello, Richard. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm in the right place. You are in the right place. As you might be able to tell, we weren't face-to-face. Richard was in Northampton and I was in Southampton. It was a Hampton-to-Hampton connection down the line. And once we'd sorted out our volumes, we cracked on quite nicely. I was reminded of your book, Feet in the Clouds, uh, this weekend as I Mm -hmm. struggled through the clag and the the opening chapter particularly of your book where you describe a a, a Lakeland experience where you're blundering around in the dark and cloud and can't, you know, don't know where you are. One last recording on the phone before I pack it up. I've just arrived at Dunmail Rays as the rain got noticeably heavier. There's only one other car parked up here, so I don't reckon anyone's making an attempt. It's 6.40 on Saturday morning, the 8th of June. I mean, it's perfect Bob Graham weekend, isn't it? But I noticed on the Facebook group that someone had moved theirs from Friday night to Saturday night. The weather is supposed to be much better tomorrow, so I think I might be on my own up there. All right, let's suck it up and do it. Okay, test recording number one. Just out of the wind, approaching the top of Steel Fell. Uh, my final lucky. I left at 7.04 from the style by the road in Dunwell Rays, and it's now uh, 7.20. Uh, windy. Made a last minute decision to put more clothes on. I'm very pleased about it. Really pleased I packed my gloves. Uh, Well, it's uh, four twenty-three in the afternoon, and uh, it's the first time really that the clouds have lifted. Actually, they probably did about an hour ago, uh, and I'm now back on track, and I can see where I'm headed, and I know where I'm going, and I've eaten some food, and so on. But for much of the day, I was cold and wet. Uh, I'm pretty soaking. I'm now not cold anymore, but I was frozen for a while, and for at least a couple of hours, if not three, I was completely lost as well. I set off in thick clag and pouring rain and managed to do, I think the first three, I got steel fell obviously, then uh, high rays um, and, and Sergeant Man and Thurnic or not and then the two stickles and I um, felt pretty confident that I'd got both of the stickles. Uh, even though you know you're just walking totally in the dark following the instructions and and a sort of a compass bearing and then and then suddenly they loom out of the cloud and you go oh my goodness that is uh, it's comical wow never have i been so glad to see my battered old ford galaxy uh. 13 hours on the fells today. I'm back at Dunmail Rays. I um, didn't go to plan, but it was really worthwhile, and I'm pleased that I did it, and I'm pleased that I, although I'm weary, not injured, that's given me a bit of confidence. I learned lots of practical things. If it's wet, loads of stuff doesn't survive if you're carrying lots of kit then uh, 
you just can't you can't hold everything you can't do everything I probably learnt some other things as well but my brain's a bit shot right now I can't think what I learnt so I'm going to drive home Of my 13 hours on the fells, I think I was um, cold 90% of the time and wet at least that much. And I think I was lost for at least a third of the time as well. And oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> there is something very terrifying uh, that I'd forgotten about because the last couple of years I've been up to the lakes. Every time I've gone, it's been clear and the visibility's been fine. And you just to find yourself completely lost is very disorientating and, and scary. And I'd, I'd it's forgotten. unbelievably disorienting, isn't it? I mean, because if you just sort of think, if I could just have you know ten seconds where I could just have a look around me, and then I'd be able to work it all out. But once you once you don't really have a sense of where you are at all, then you know nothing. Everything doesn't follow after that. And also, have you, did you find that you sort of look at stuff that's... You can look at something that you've been to a hundred times before, a really familiar landmark, and you're not sure if it's the same thing. You say, is this the top of Scarfell Pike? I don't know. It looks like a, maybe it is, maybe it's maybe I'm completely in the wrong place. Yeah, I, I felt quite embarrassed. There was a, the Scarfell Sky Race was being held over the weekend. Right. So there were little red flags on their route and mm. lots of people about run, runners mm. going past but also being Scarfell Pike it's always busy there's always walkers doing it and most people these days have some kind of GPS thing I didn't have it with me I was doing it with a mm. map and compass and uh, right, yeah. and people you know I'd kind of come across a, a group of walkers and say is this still the, the way up Scarfell Pike and they were like oh yeah yeah it said so on my GPS <laughs> I was like oh right, yeah. this is quite humiliating yeah. what's, what, what's worse is when you pass the same group of walkers <laughs> yeah. two, two more times in the yes. next hour in the opposite direction I did learn a lot though uh, about clothing and the cold and just how mm-hmm. innocuous it can seem when you're down at road level uh, oh, yeah, uh, and, and if you don't wear enough how much you can regret that when you're high up Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and that navigation thing, like you were saying, just how, how bad that can be. It was comical. I, I was walking you know, with my map and compass thinking, right, I should be coming to Pike of Stickle any minute. Uh, right. is, is this little rocky outcrop it? And then, and then all of a sudden, this monolithic rock the size of a, a, blo- a you know, block of flats suddenly looms <laughs> out of the cloud about a yard in front of me. I was like, whoa, OK. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that was quite a, an eye. Were, were you by yourself? Yes, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that much harder then, isn't it? Mm. And that's what I really learned as well, the benefit of company. I'm sure, just to co- kind of corroborate, are we going the right way? Do you, do you think this mm. is still the right route? And uh, it's it's quite unnerving being on your own. Yeah, although I think it's much better. I mean, you know, you've got to be able to do it on your own at some point. Mm. And having other people with you doesn't always help. I mean, when you're talking about how comical it was, I was so, it suddenly brought back a time when I was, you know, totally lost and there were three of us. And we were just going round and round in circles somewhere up in the Dodds and Helvet and things like that. And, we, and firstly, when you're with a group of people, you start becoming... You start off by being a bit pathetic and just thinking, yeah, we'll leave it to someone else, he must be right, she must be right, and you just follow them. And they've got no more clue than you have, so you just go around in a different circle. And and I remember one of, one of the blokes who was you know used to be an outward bound instructor for a long time, really good compass mountaineer person, saying, you know, can we just sit down and have a good cry? Because none of us could think of what to do. <laughs> yes, yes, there was definitely moments where, particularly having read your reread your book again recently, I was running through in my head come on this is a test this is good it doesn't really matter what happens but this is experience you need to have in the bank but there is a point where you think yes but i don't want that to end in life-threatening illness or injury uh, and i have got to work out my way back to some sort of path if i'm not careful i'll be stuck up here forever so I, yeah i learned a lot about even just basic things i couldn't open food packets easily my hands were so mm. cold and wet uh, so yeah. i thought actually for the, for the attempt itself i'm i'm not going to be going up there with lots of things in little plastic packets i need to unwrap them before i go up and uh, have them in something i can actually open and decisions that you you make when tired I, you know I, I ended up getting to scarfell pike and then rather than carrying on as i had hoped mm. to do leg 4 as well i thought i'll mm. i'll just retrace my steps and and get back mm. to my car at dunmail raise and, and that was all fine the cloud lifted then and suddenly i was like ah okay so that's where i was and that's where i missed rosset pike and this that and the other and 
as I was coming back, I missed the way down Steel Fell and went past, <laughs> and so ended up adding at least an hour of really treacherous struggle down a horrible slope that had no footpath on it at all, and it made me realise that you know, you can, even when you're thinking that you've seen the worst of it you can still slip up and and get yourself in trouble yeah. so i think i think yeah exhaustion and you know being just your body and everything being under stress generally it really affects your judgment and the other thing is you know just a really tiny mistake can have a huge effect so you just you know, miss one path and and probably there's a little bit of your brain thinking yeah i probably ought to check them out but maybe you, know, you sort of just sort of adjust all the landscape to suit what you've chosen and by the time you realize you really are wrong you've gone so badly wrong that it takes five times as long to put it right which is very depressing but yeah very character forming as well Uh, yes Uh, yeah i just wasn't checking the map enough i had my phone that's just got the sort of os maps app on it that was my fallback right but i sort of out of a stupid bloody mindedness uh and a kind of cold i can't really be bothered to go into my rucksack to get it out and fiddle with it uh, mentality i didn't really check it enough so i didn't confirm where i was i just carried on blindly Mm -hmm. i'm toying with the idea of getting poles but that feels like cheating for a long time i resisted the hiking poles that a lot of runners use in the mountains yeah partly this is because i I didn't want to accept the fact that really ultra running particularly in the mountains there's a lot of walking involved in my head it was still ultra running not walking yeah but in the end i i gave in i got some lecky poles and they were great. I mean, they're just such beautiful bits of kit. They're like got this cork handle and this, these bright red and yellow sticks. And I felt quite good moving around in them. And they do help. It's almost like having a rope to pull yourself up on or something. Yeah. It definitely helped. Maybe it feels stupid to not use all that free power. Helen reckons that you get 75% extra oomph by using poles. I didn't do an update after yesterday's run and uh, it was a significant one. I had a three hour run on Butzer Hill in the south of England, part of the South Downs, not far from me. The biggest hill in South Hampshire, uh, an elevation of 889 feet, that's 271 metres, EU fans, Um, uh, and at 3,054 feet, Skiddore, that makes uh, what I did yesterday, seven ups and downs of Butzer Hill uh, to Skiddores. Uh, so um, reasonable, uh, it took me about three hours and the reason I went there early on a Sunday morning was to test out poles, which I um, haven't used before. I uh, borrowed a nice pair of Helen Hall, super running coach and biomechanics analyst extraordinaire and also a very kind and generous woman and so she um, sent me a pair of her Nordic walking poles uh, that were spare uh, so I could borrow those for the attempt and I tried them out yesterday uh, along with her little audio message of the technique in which to use them and she's very good at explaining those sort of things. My recommendation is Nordic walking poles because there's no grip. You don't grip, which would send tension up the chain, the arms, uh, into the shoulders, into the neck. And with Nordic walking, the poles stay behind you, which keeps you upright, which keeps your breath organised, which makes everything easier, as you well know. And the challenge comes with when there's a slope, how little extra work can you offer your legs by excellent use of upper body and it's about a wrist action you flick the handle out of your hand you almost is like a chuck away and then as you swing through you catch the handle so it's like an old-fashioned tin opener and less elbow bending if you bend your elbows then you're trekking okay hope that's helpful so i followed those instructions and strode up and down butzer hill ran down uh, i didn't feel kind of coming down that i was descending in quite the elegant fell running fashion that i had felt when i was up in the lakes and i'm reading rereading uh, feet in the clouds richard asquith's book and so I'm just being reminded of how brilliant a writer he is and how well he describes 
when runs go wrong in the fells. And I feel kind of that's encouraging as well. I think I'm I'm just in a, in a fairly good place at the moment. So that's yeah, feel good. One of your other books that I have also read, Running Free, which you wrote, I guess, after Feet in the Clouds. Yeah, sort of quite a few years after, yeah. A yeah. follow-up running book. It's kind of your manifesto of, of running at the time, I suppose, and, and the stage of running you were at. And you talk about these different life stages that you went through when you were desperate to hit times and, and get faster and faster, and then the, the, obviously the obsession with the Bob Graham. And, and then you were in a, a phase, I think, at the period when you wrote it, of just running without a watch, not really worrying with how far you went or or how fast you went. Just if you wanted to run fast, you just well, went as fast as it as it felt you needed to. Um, are you still at that stage? How, how What stage of running are you at now? And what, I, what sort I, of running I, are you doing? Sort of the same sort of thing, except the moments when I feel I need to run fast aren't, aren't quite so frequent as they used to be. I mean, I think a lot of it's about age, and certainly, yeah, I think most of us as runners, when we're younger, yeah, it's all. It's mostly about outcome, and, you know, can I improve my performance on my results or can I come further up in the race or can I get fitter or healthier? It's, it's all about you know I, I go through this suffering and it's also about learning to master suffering and learning what you're capable of and all sorts of you know things like that which are very important and rewarding and then you know after a while I you know as you get older you do, per, partly you just think well actually I'm very lucky that I can still run at all because you know a lot of people who can't as they get older and they get injured or they get ill and or they're just not able to for one reason or another so you start thinking of running much more as a privilege and also you know by the time you're in your 40 i mean i'm, I'm not well into my 50s now and you just start thinking well you know if i was going to break any world records or win any olympic medals it would probably have happened by now um and that's not what i'm running for anymore and my personal best you know they're just not going to improve they get i get personal worst instead so what's the point of depressing yourself and trying to motivate yourself with the outcome to me yeah running is all about you know it's now 100 percent just about doing it for pleasure or sometimes you do it for the pleasure of the company sometimes it's for the scenery sometimes it's just for the joy of being able to run um but i think what's so great about the bob graham and fell running generally but especially bob graham maybe is that it actually combines all those things it's very very performance orientated you know if you don't if you lose focus on what you're trying to do in those 24 hours, then you're not going to get round, and it's, it's, you've got to force yourself through a whole lot of pain, and etc. But also, um, it's a fantastic sociable thing to do, and the people who are supporting you, and all the people you meet when you're doing it, you know, it's, it's a wonderful friendship experience. Um, and the third thing is doing, you're doing it in such beautiful scenery, um, and you're engaged with the environment all the time. And to me, that's you know, we spend so much time in unnatural man-made environments and bottled up in cities and overcrowded and breathing in polluted air. And just to be out in the mountains and, you know, thinking with every fibre of your brain about, you know, what you're treading on and where you're heading and what you can feel underfoot and what you can see through the clag or what you ought to be through the clag if you can't see through it. Yeah, all that is... It's a very sort of spiritually healing and refreshing experience to me. Um, and with the Bob Graham, you're getting all that thing. You're getting the pleasure and you're getting the suffering all, all combined. Yeah. And you're getting the achievement with a bit of that. It's thoroughly exhausting, I found, um, Saturday, trying to rely on your mm-hmm. own skills with a map and compass and mm. the, the, the sort of the pressure to not get lost. And then when you realise that you are lost, the, the, the fear and, and the pressure to get yourself found again. And uh, it's, mm. uh, it is you're right it's an all mind and body uh experience and just thinking oh it's been a while since i've eaten and and you know you have to mm. really monitor all your basic life signs don't you to uh, yeah 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 sure keep on top yeah. of it do you miss it uh now that you've you know what's your relationship with the bg uh at this point having achieved it i yeah if i if i'm I like to get back to the fells, other those ones are only fells. You know, if I see a mountain, I like to run up and down it a bit because, you know, it's just such fun. You know, I do the occasional fell race, both fewer and fewer each year. I mean, my last and most recent engagement with BG was actually a whole lot of people who I did the BG with 25 years ago or something like that, deciding we're all going to get together next next year in the Lake District and meet up and just sort of have a bit of fun together. But I'm not sure if anyone's planning to do any running at all at that point. You know, it's, that's a sort of friendship. The yeah. friendship side of the BG stays with you and the love of the mountain stays with you. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day who'd just done the BG and talking to him about what a 
great achievement it was and how you know he was saying I was a bit disappointed all the time and I said yeah don't be crazy you got around and that's you know that's an achievement that no one can ever take away from you and then I suddenly thought well actually you know I did that once and you sort of that that but you tend to forget but actually yeah I mean yeah when I was doing it it was a really tough thing I really didn't think I'd be able to do it I tried and failed to do it many times over the years and then eventually I got round and you know I should I should still be proud of that in a way. Yes, and with the perspective of a bit of time, especially because you invested so much extra time in, in writing a book, di- you know, documenting it all, and, and doing all that other research, do you? How, how do you look back on that achievement for yourself, and and how do you relate it now? I mean, I, I found on, and I felt on Saturday it's made much easier by having friends who've got very good GPS watches to fall back on if you're nervous about your navigation mm. and things like that but i'm guessing the technology wasn't so good when you were making your attempts it, d- it didn't exist i remember you know talking to chatting to my friends on the files while we were lost and saying you know and talking about how someone ought to invent something like this and saying why can't they you know use satellites and things like that and and you could actually have a thing that and you were describing this amazing science fiction type thing which you know a few years later people invented and there was gps what i was thinking when you talk about how sort of exposed and vulnerable you feel when you're both exhausted and lost and suffering from the weather etc it wasn't nearly so tough for me back in the early and mid 90s as it was for the pioneers of the sport in the 60s and 70s i mean people like joss naylor and billy bland and bill teasdale and people like that the you know, they they were really tough. They were going out there and there was nothing to fall back on. You know, if they were lucky, they had a compass and a map. Sometimes it was just their local know-how. You know, their equipment was absolutely minimal. If they had a bit of food and drink, they were lucky. Most of the time, it's just a question of, you know, finding a few berries on the ground, finding a stream to drink from. You know, that was, they were really, really tough guys. And then by the time it got to my stage, it was a lot easier. And, you know, I you know, lightweight, water, waterproof clothes and, you know, I had a vague idea of, how you what sports nutrition involves although you didn't have all these juices and gels you have today and you know communication and travel it was all much better so you didn't have to be nearly so tough then and then nowadays i guess you know things like gps and you know, everything's so much more high tech and in a way it's easier but the other thing the difference today is that there are people doing those 24 hours so much faster or doing you know you've got people like Yasmin Paris and Nikki Spinks and whatever, you know, people people doing amazing things with the BG and making so in both those senses I think what I achieved was, you know, just nothing. You know, I feel I'm just a sort of tiny little cog in the Bob Graham story. And yet from my own personal point of view, for me it was a really important rite of passage and, you know, I wouldn't have missed it for the world and I'm really glad I went through all that suffering and it taught me a lot about myself and how to do things and what I was capable of, you know, if push came to shove. And, you know, when people ask me about how they should be approaching it, I just... Ultimately, it's something you do for yourself and I don't think it's important to worry about, you know, whether you're the slowest person ever to do it or the fastest person to ever do it, unless you happen to be one of those people who is capable of breaking the record but for most of us i think it's just a question of marshalling your own forces and and making the the best of them it's monday morning at 8 55 and i'm in an empty carriage uh, not on the last train of the fast train to transcentral but on the stopping service from portchester into southampton central i've just been for a run on top of uh, portstown hill about 75 minutes of running which was pretty good actually uh, and I'm reading Feet in the Clouds again Richard Asquith's book and um, yeah, it's really joyous I love it, however I've got that mixed feeling of I'm actually feeling quite good fitness wise some of the little tweaks and niggles are, are going away I'm just sort of working my way through all the little various things took the insoles out of my shoes so that the tops of my feet were less painful at pushing against uh, the top of the shoe so that was better I put them in because when I was in the lakes I had sore bottoms of my feet from the tough terrain so I have to see how that goes on a temp day whether I wear insoles for legs three where it's very rocky and take them out for the other legs I don't know 
I'm loath to buy new shoes at this stage, but um, we'll see. However, also all of this is kind of quite positive fitness-wise, but then I'm reading Richard's book, and, uh, and God, it puts the fear of God in you. Uh, I'm only towards the beginning of it, and uh, he meets um, Fred Rogerson, you know, former chairman of the Bob Graham Club, and uh, sort of legend in those circles when Richard Asquith rings him to say he's thinking of doing an attempt and he says he's thinking of writing an article about it as well and of course I'm making this podcast about it and Fred says we've had things written about us in the past and it's led to an influx of people attempting the round who are ill-equipped to do it people who've done a couple of marathons and a couple of walks on Dartmoor think oh 72 miles no problem I'll try that but there's much more to it than that you've really got to know and love every inch of the ground a lot of people don't appreciate it, but what Bob Graham did in 1932 was one of the epic achievements of the century. If you don't go into it deeply enough, you won't do it. And then Richard goes on to say how he's seen the truth of that remark demonstrated many times. Many people have tried and failed. And then so now I'm kind of cracking myself, thinking, you know, I'm living in the South, haven't been up and wrecked that much, I'm coming back from an injury... Am I underestimating it? Am I not taking it seriously enough? The next station is St Denis. Yeah, I'm a bit nervy this morning. The thought that got me round was, you know, if you don't get round, you're going to have to come back and do it again next year. So, you know, just get round and you'll never have to do it again. Yeah. Well, there's bits of it that we're sort of sick of the sight of, I think. And, uh, you know, and there are so many other beautiful bits of even just our country that we've not run in because mm-hmm. we're, you know, constantly going around this uh, little loop. Mm-hmm. You also obviously wrote the the book, uh, Feet in the Clouds, which even gets a mention on the only map of the round that you can buy by Harvey's maps. Yeah, it's uh, there's a, a you know it tells you where you can buy it. Oh, I know, I've seen that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've seen that. They spell my name wrong as well. I think. <laughs> uh, yes, I think um, they do. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Um, but. Hell? When, whenever I've mentioned it to anybody, it seems to be universally liked as a book. Now you were already a, a, you know a successful journalist in your career, and so you must have written some well-regarded pieces and things like that for newspapers and so on. But was it a real thrill, and is it still a real thrill, to have written a hit book that everyone likes? I don't know really. I mean, it was. It was. First of all, it wasn't an instant hit. You know, it was very much a slow burn thing and at the time you know people just it you know, didn't get many reviews or anything like that and most people couldn't work out what a book about fell running could possibly be it just sort of gradually built up the second thing is that you know i always had a very strong sense that what people liked about it was the stories in it you know the stories of these amazing people you know joss naylor kenny stewart helen diamantides whatever um these great athletes from who were you know, absolutely among the very greatest athletes Britain had ever produced, who were simply unknown, which sort of seemed to me wrong. It seemed to me their sto- these amazing stories of the fells were worth preserving. And I think people, if people liked it, they were glad that these stories had been put down on paper and preserved. And it was more, I think it was more about the stories than about me or my wonderful writing or anything like that. So, you know, it, it didn't, I didn't feel, oh, I'm a great star or anything like that, because, you know, I, I feel, because... I'm not for a start, and you know, I, I really don't think it was it was about me. I think it was just that was a book which ha- happens to be the book which sort of encapsulates and gathers together a great tradition, a hitherto forgotten his tradition of, of British sport, British sporting history. And I think you know a lot of people are glad to come across you know when they're introduced to it and they read it and think, wow, that's amazing. I'm really glad I found that out. I also think your honesty and uh, you know that the, the, what makes it more enjoyable than just uh, a history book about uh, fell running is the fact that you know your the chapters where it's your diary of of your build up over I guess over several years through your various attempts and and so on so so there's that n- nice honest personal uh, quite vulnerable at, at points uh, section as well. Yeah, I guess that I guess that makes it easier for you know especially for people who have no knowledge of the sport that get, makes it much easier for people to sort of understand what it's all about and what these great heroes were going through and I think the great advantage I had writing that was you know basically I'm not very good at the sport I'm not you know I'm, not, I'm a very middle of the road runner and so you know some people can do fell running and they just find it they just take to it naturally and they find themselves winning races and they do the Bob Graham and they find it relatively easy 
I was able to describe all that stuff because, you know, I was suffering a lot and, you know, I noticed every difficult thing because for me it was difficult. So I think that really helped. And then you put that together with these much more talented athletes who are also suffering because they're achieving it at so much higher level um, and you can begin to understand what they're going through as well. So maybe that that did work, I guess, yeah. It has put the fear of God in me, though. I, I've <laughs> been rereading it, obviously, because I, I wanted to talk to you and, and you know, re-familiarise myself with the book, but also I thought it will be great to read shortly before my attempt because it will get me in the mood. And it, it's been terrifying, particularly because you keep referring to the fact that you're ill-equipped for fell running, you're 13 stone and, and you live down south. And I'm like, well, I'm 13 stone and I live down south <laughs> and, you know, I'm not an eight stone, you know, five foot tall... Mm little whippet so yes i found it quite unnerving uh, it's made me feel very inadequate but you know that's why it'll be all the more achievement when you get around well, yes um yeah it's you know the harder it is the, the more there is to be proud of i think that's you know worth keeping in mind and yeah if you if you do it in two weeks time and it's all easy in a sense that you know the, the, the most successful rounds are actually the most boring ones so there's nothing to remember it all goes exactly according to plan yeah the time i got round was actually relatively straightforward compared with my failed attempts yeah and there wasn't that much to remember it's just you know we got to that peak on time that peak on time it was sort of we could see away most of the way and nothing went wrong until near the end and you know that doesn't stay with you very much um whereas if you have the something goes badly wrong and then you find a way around that or you you know, survive and get round in spite of that. that that's really exciting. That's something that you'll remember for the rest of your life. So. Well, we've had previous years where things have gone disastrously wrong for, you know, for reckies or for other people's mm. a, um, attempts. So, um, yes, yeah, so I think we've got a bit of that in the bank. Has I mean, you, you first published that book in 2004, which was mm-hmm. before, obviously, GPS and things, as you just said, but also before the mega ultra running boom, which seems to have taken place over the last certainly five years. Has that been good for book sales? Has it gone back up in in popularity? I don't really. I mean, I, I, it, it, it doesn't sell that many copies. It just sort of stays in print and ticks over, and people recommend it. I think people who are getting into, you know, if you're into, yeah, I guess it, it must. You know, if, if someone gets into ultra running or something like that and they're learning about how to run through pain, etc., then it's probably quite an interesting thing to read and to see what other people have done in the past so good you know the more people do that the better from my point of view yeah but i mean it's it's not it's not a sort of harry potter no (laughs) sadly from the people you spoke to the joss nailers billy blands kenny stewart's and so on Mm. are are there any bits of wisdom that you've retained um well i remember joss nailer saying has got to get lots of guinness in you lad um (laughs) which is a fairly good tip and also i remember joss nailer saying that you know sometimes you've just got you've got an ailment you've just got to shrug it off because if you thought about it you'd just lie down and and i think actually most most of them said something a bit like that that you Mm. know sometimes you're feeling you're injured you're feeling pain or whatever but you know you've just you just you shrug it off it's only pain and the other one I remember is Helen Diamantides, who was sort of the first really amazingly good female fell runner over long distances. Um, yeah, there were other good ones before her, but you know she was one who sort of started breaking records and things like that. She said that if you're, when you're doing the Bob Graham, if you, if you don't cry when you're growing up, going out Red Pike, then you're, you're not trying properly. So that's a good one to remember because Red Pike is actually. For, are, you, are you going clockwise, by the way? Yes. Yeah. Um, Red Pike ought to be like a fairly easy one. Yeah, you know, there's no not hugely steep or anything like that. But the, the place it comes, you know, you've just been up U Barrow. You're what two thirds of the way around. You're you're really really knackered, but you've still got a really really long way to go. And then you've got this relatively boring thing that just goes on and on and on <laughs> and on and on and on and on and, and you think, God, oh, we must be there now. I mean, and you've made no progress at all. And that, I think that. Every time I've done it, that's been the most sort of heartbreaking, potentially heartbreaking stage of it. Yeah. So I think, I guess if you're prepared for that, and you just think, you know, right, this is, get Red Pike behind me, you, and actually you'll you'll do it, you'll be fine. Um, but you just have to not let that break your spirit. I spoke to Nikki Spinks, and she echoed what, what you were saying about Joss and the others saying, you know, you'll have to go through... A, a bit of awfulness pain or discomfort mm. what have you but you, you can go through it and she said it was a lesson to her i think on her first bob graham when she was feeling bad through 
uh, the early part of leg three and threw up quite violently mm-hmm. and then just carried on and thought oh that's interesting i've never really done that before you know normally mm-hmm. a normal person would go oh i'm feeling sick i'm being sick i'll stop whatever i'm doing and go and get better mm-hmm. whereas it was quite a lesson for her to think no i can just be sick and carry on and <laughs> and and still finish the whole thing mm-hmm. and what do you think of these double rounds and and a just the, the other weekend, this guy John Kelly trying to do all three of the big rounds, you know, the Paddy, the Bob uh, Graham and so on, and then cycling in between them. And it, <laughs> I it, think, it well, seems yeah, like a Bob I'd, Graham is not enough now. You have to do something mega. I think for some people, you know, and if, if you're at that, you know, if you're at that level of talent, first of all, and secondly, you're, you're in that frame of mind where you want to achieve things, then, yeah, there's, there's masses more you can do. Yeah, I remember when I first went to Bob Graham... Yeah, so Bob Graham dinner. I think it's Fred Rogerson, in fact, who you know who organised the whole thing when it when it started, saying that you know for some people it's everything, and for, for other people for some 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 people that's that's the end, and but for other people it's just the beginning, and you do that, and then you think what else can I do in in fell running, um, and yeah, I mean for some people I mean, but you know just getting round to Bob Graham doesn't mark you or me out as a an exceptional athlete is really, for, you know, for me certainly just a, a personal ach- a achievement that I can feel happy about. But you know, it doesn't stop me being an absolute middle of the packer in terms of running. The double BG, I mean, yeah, it's just it, it's just so far out, anything I, far beyond anything I could contemplate that I don't know what to say. I mean, what, what's interesting, you know, is that Nikki Spinks does it, and uh, you know, there are still people. There are probably still people out there who say, you know, women can't fell run as well as a man, but it's actually, you know, it's just total nonsense, and it's more a question of, you know, can men fell run as well as as women? I mean, you know, especially on the ultra long distances. I think all it proves is that I think most of it is probably it's as much a mental achievement as a as a physical achievement, I suspect. Um, and uh, if someone's head is absolutely in the right place and they believe that the thing is possible and uh, you know, determined enough and just strong enough mentally, but you know, physically and mentally, but I think especially mentally, then you know, who knows what the limit is as to what people are going to achieve. Um, and a lot of the limits we set ourselves, you know, a lot of us, the rest of us, normal people in, in everyday life, we set ourselves these limits, just as you were saying, you know, being sick, oh, I better stop, can't do any more. Um, we make these sort of cages for ourselves, and actually, maybe. We don't need to. No one said. There's no written rule saying that you can't do this or you can't do that. Um, it's just you, know, you think. Well, obviously I can't you know, run 42 peaks in 24 hours. But you know, if you think you can, maybe you can. It's worth a try. Yeah, I listened to an interesting interview with the the swimmer Ross Barkley that um, swam all the way around the coast of Britain, and he. <laughs> uh, uh, thing you can do. Yeah, he said yeah. that. Um, uh, a big a big part of the the training for anything like that is your capacity for work so it, it's mm-hmm. not really whether you're fit enough he felt like the the key the key thing for him in, in doing that was could he keep getting up after every six hours and swimming again for another six mm-hmm. hours sure, and yeah. it, it wasn't was he the best swimmer in the world it was just could he keep doing it uh, if yeah. when the alarm goes off you can get out of bed put a wetsuit on and get into the sea every day for 157 days twice a day then you're going to do a lot of swimming aren't you? yeah then that, that that's it and 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 mm. uh, have you has your have you in your mind and your body sort of prepared is it is the the capacity for work um sort of laid down already the foundations for that so sure and also also i think it's a question of, sort of pacing as well isn't it i mean you what well, i tried the bg um four times and i'm absolutely sure that the time i got round the fourth time I was the least, I was less fit than I had been on previous occasions. And the first time I tried, when I did it, did worst, um, I was super, super fit. I mean, that's the fittest I've ever been in my life. But I just didn't have it in in my mind. I wasn't mentally and instinctively geared to a sort of 24-hour cycle. I was still sort of thinking in terms of, you know, two hours, three hours, four hours, maybe stretch that out to eight hours. But just adjusting your your perspective almost of what you're trying to do is, is a huge thing. And once you start thinking on those longer perspectives, then you start seeing life completely differently, and you realise that you have these sort of you know these peaks and troughs, and there'll be moments when you're feeling good, and then they will pass 
you know, so you don't get overconfident, but also there'll be moments when you're feeling ter- terrible and they will pass as well, so don't give up. I mean, for me, it's a bit like the difference between writing an article of a thousand words and, and writing a book. Then, you know, it's both writing and you're both trying to, in some ways, do the same thing, but you're just looking at it. It's a completely different scale, I guess. Yeah, I'll ask you about writing in just a second, but one other thing about outliers, like the Nicky Spinks of this world, what did you make of Killian's record that, I guess, surprised everyone that it could be broken by so much? I guess so. I mean, I think the thing someone asked me about... I think some journalist rang me up and said, you know, how do you feel, isn't it terrible, these foreign fantasy professionals coming in and trying, you know interrupting this great traditional sport whereas i think you know the thing about killing Giorno was actually he was, he was right in the tradition of the people like joss nader and billy bland you know he's he's just a person of the mountains um he's done all these amazing things which you know probably wouldn't have been possible for someone like billy bland to do but you know all the sort of stuff in the himalayas and the you know all endless altitudes um but you know he's also a mountain person he's lived you know spent countless thousands and thousands of hours in the mountains and he's moves like a mountain goat so in a way if anyone was going to break the record why shouldn't it be him that's my my feeling and obviously he's a you know an exceptional athlete and not really (laughs) i don't really feel that people like that are are in the same sport as me you know they're such outliers compared with what most people do yeah um but you know and billy bland was supporting him you know I i felt that actually fitted rather nicely into the whole tradition of a sport of of the mountains, a sport for mountain lovers, a sport in which fell runners support one another and encourage one another. So, you know, good for him. It's Saturday afternoon, five o'clock, and uh, I'm not running today, but I am going to run tomorrow morning early. And so I've been out uh, following Nikki Spink's advice today and bought uh, the dry food that I want for the stops. So I'm practicing what I think might Hi Hattie might be my breakfast at um, Dunmail Ray's um, which is going to be some oats so simple yeah I'd have to make it the day before so uh, it's weather oats so simple made uh, kind of 24 hours earlier would still be enjoyable. Clearly, it won't be still warm. This vacuum food pod thing is pretty good, but it's not a miracle worker. I'm gonna have some hot coffee, I think, at Dunmail. But if it's uh, mixing in raisins, there's lots of tarts actually superior to the raisin, I believe. So. Cinnamon flavour oats so simple with sultanas mixed in. Made on Saturday to be consumed tomorrow morning on my way to my training run with my poles on Butzer Hill. Uh, now I need to go and get ready for my father-in-law's 80th birthday party. It's now um, the morning and um, because we were up very late at my father-in-law's 80th, I decided to postpone my morning run, make it an evening one today, didn't seem sensible, having not got us and the kids home until one in the morning to try and get up at five or six to drive up to Butter Hill. Um, so I'm um, just ending my food experiment now. I don't know if I'd look forward to that, as always. I certainly think it would pack some porridge Fill your stomach goodness in. Not sure I'd recommend it necessarily to anyone, but it's tolerable. Well, that was a funny day. It's now 10.32 and I've finished seven ascents and descents of Butzer Hill. All done. Home for bed. And I'm going to try and get out again in the morning before work. Oh, it's Monday afternoon and I went for a run this morning before work after my late night run up and down Butzer Hill last night. I don't know if you do this, but I like to think like my life is a film sometimes. Uh, I like to imagine our lives with soundtracks and plot twists. And this is that bit probably ten minutes before the end when just one more thing goes wrong to screw up whatever you want the 
outcome to be, and he suddenly looks like, oh no, now what's gone wrong? And right, Achilles is killing me. What have I done? What, is it all my fault? Oh, I feel a bit hit by a truck with it, really. I, mean, I wasn't expecting it at all. Ugh. Just walking to work, and I think I can climb down off the ledge that I was teetering on yesterday when I was worried about my Achilles. Uh, so I um, uh, taped it up with my kinesiology tape, which I think, from memory, Helen has said is to sort of drain the lymph fluid from it. Uh, took ibuprofen twice to reduce the swelling. Both Achilles were really swollen, particularly the right one. And uh, did a few little stretches. Got a good night's sleep. I slept for eight hours last night and um, much better this morning. Massaged them as well a little bit to again try and get some of that fluid out. And this morning, much less swollen and um, did my drills and stretches. And now I'm walking to work with no pain at all. So keep the tape on, have a rest day fully today and um, probably tomorrow see how I feel on Thursday about maybe doing uh, on run again. I just had an email from Richard Asquith saying I was still on for the interview on Monday. So I was just saying yes, that's that's great. Looking forward to talking to you. Hope your training's going all right. How's your training? And so I just replied with a little witticism about um, trying to tread a, uh, a fine line between being undercooked and not getting injured and he said definitely better to be undercooked than injured I've just got this sort of I've had a dodgy tummy since uh, Sunday I don't feel quite right I don't know what to do really do I run do I do I just go to bed um, hmm Well, I'm not close to the answer. I think I'll go and give the run a try when Joe gets home. Maybe I'll feel loads better after a run. That's what I'm hoping. So, uh, two last questions. Will I make it? And what do I need to know from you to, to get me round uh, in two weeks' time? Yeah, I think you'll, I think you'll make it. You have to know there there will be a moment when you feel absolutely terrible and you feel so terrible you can't carry on. I'd, I would be amazed. I'd be interested to know. Maybe you'll get around and it'll be easy, but I'm sure you'll have a moment where you feel, oh, bollocks, it's all gone wrong. Wheels come off. I've got to stop. Mm. Um, and what you've got to do over the next two weeks is a stop training don't get injured so you can, if you're going without an injury you'll get round and you're now in a position where you can go in without an injury when you get you know just say to yourself what am i going to do when i get to that low point how am i going to deal with it when it comes you think okay here's the low point that i was going to have to deal with what do i do and you know there's no easy answer apart from don't stop you know even if you're just crawling forward very very slowly just remember it will pass the low low point will will pass and you know it's the same as with most things in life keep going believe in yourself don't limit yourself by saying just because i feel like i'm about to die it means i'm going to die i mean it might mean you're going to die but with a bit of luck <laughs> it, it won't um and also I mean, also tell yourself you know if, I, if richard can get around then you, then you certainly can <laughs> well i don't think that's necessarily true but i um lots of other people have got round and and it's supposed to be enjoyable as in the sport is supposed to be enjoyable i don't imagine the second half of a bob graham attempt is going to be enjoyable but i do well, want- actually, actually that reminds me of one other thing actually one of the other things to get you around when you're really really suffering just idea you know if you can see anything it might be in you know, such thick cloud that you can't see anything but just if you can just look around and look at the views i mean i can remember just a little flat towards the end of my one of my attempts, probably my successful one, when I was, you know, half unconscious of exhaustion. It must have been sort of coming towards 
from Pillar towards Kirkfell and things like that, but just looking over and just the most amazing views. And if you can just get lost in the beauty of it all, the beauty of your environment, um, that's a great way of distracting yourself from pain. Um, and, you know, just focus on what you can see and sort of try and look at the details of the rocks and the vegetation. Or, you know, there's a lot to distract yourself with. Mm. And the other thing I used to do when I was doing, in bad moments was to imagine myself back in my office in London and a stressful job doing something, you know, having a really miserable time and thinking, you know, I could be there, but I'm actually here, I'm out here in the mountains breathing fresh air, I've got, you know, mist on my face and wind on my face and I'm with friends and, you know, I've got, and and, and focus on the number of mountains you've got behind you as well, because you might be thinking I'm about to die, but, you know, maybe you've got 25 30 mountains behind you you know that's an amazing achievement most people just do one mountain in a day and think they've done really well so you know congratulate yourself on what you've done try not to think about the whole thing at any point until you you've only got one mountain left yeah oh, that's all that's all very good all good wisdom thank you <laughs> it's uh, great it's, it's great just sitting here and giving someone a <laughs> <laughs> my and doing it yourself and um are you still uh, a running writer what was the book that you were working to a deadline on earlier in the year um what's your next uh, well actually no, well, I, I did one more running book which was about um emil zatopek the great czechoslovakian oh, yes. track athlete of the of the 40s and 50s that was called today we die a little um and that was very much i thought he was a, a hero very much in the tradition of of Joss Naylor, etc. And I think people who enjoy Peter and Klaus might well enjoy that. But then because of that I got really interested in Czechoslovakian history and Czech culture and so forth. And so the book I was just finishing is one, it's about, about a Czechoslovakian jockey, um, Lata Brandisovar, who was the first woman she, she won the grand part of it's the steeplechase, which is like the sort of most dangerous steeplechase in Europe and, you know, a bit like Grand National but a bit crazier and she it was an amazing story and she was this a pioneering woman jockey riding at a time when women weren't, women weren't allowed to ride um so although it's not about running at all it's about horse racing it it has similar traditions of you know very very tough courageous athlete um and also this thing we've just talked about in fell running of you know sometimes a woman it turns out to be tougher than a man in a thing which is supposedly all about manliness and macho strength Oh, fascinating. Brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much for your time today and thanks for dispensing such wisdom. I'll email you the link to the tracker once I get it, if you're interested. and then Sure, yeah, and no, I will be watching your progress with great interest. And, um, good luck. I, think, I feel that you will do it. I've got, I think got, it sounds like you've got the right attitude. You know, I think a bit of humility is always good to, to get you around. Mm. And, you know, just believe you'll do it and you'll do it. Well, thank you. My, my partner in it, there's two of us making the attempt together and... Uh, he is an accountant so i i'm bringing the kind of creative oh let's make a podcast about it media flair and uh, he's the one that's meticulously planned our routes up and down each peak so i, I feel like we make a, a reasonable team so it's a good team yeah yeah um excellent okay well i really wish you good luck um, thank you um, yeah try, try to enjoy it because um that's another thing i think helen diamond he just says you know try to enjoy it because it's a long day to be out there if you're going to be miserable <laughs> yeah. yes that's very very good, very wise. Okay, well, all the best and good luck to you both. Brilliant. Thank you. Okay, okay. Bye. 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 Thanks, Bob. Two weeks to go before the Bob. Bob. Uh, and I'm doing what is pretty much the weirdest thing I've ever done running wise, uh, which is on a Friday night after work, uh, running 40k, a lot of it in the dark, to Ivinghoe Beacon, which is a beautiful uh, spot overlooking the less beautiful Luton in the uh, on the edge of the, the Ridgeway sort of part of the Chilterns um, uh, about halfway I've just, just got to uh, the beacon um, yes really quite strange I've seen lots of deer owls, bats, uh, some doggers uh, had neither the energy nor the inclination to join in but I've got to go back that way so I'm hoping the rain is going to dampen their ardour certainly dampened mine although nice to be asked to be honest and um, yeah two weeks to go feeling pretty good though this has been a good test and uh, yeah uh, head torch and all, all that kind of light has been working well uh, so yeah all good see you soon mate bye
Um, just a short addendum to that uh, toothbrushing update. I had a massive crushing low on Saturday. I, th- I think it was just bad mental health episodes, worrying about taking too much on and trying to fit everything in and I'm making another podcast at the same time that I'm building up and training for the BGR, which will become another podcast and trying to do up our garden and I'm trying to remember to buy people's birthday presents my mum and my dad and ugh, just felt like, you know, oh, too much and I can't handle it all. And so I had a bit of a black day on, on Saturday but did manage to get out for a run towards the end of the day after much support from my wife she's so patient um, yeah one second beautiful um, okay I'll come and sort it out uh, yes yeah, so I felt a bit better after that run and also got out this morning you just have to be really disciplined all the time to think, right, I'll get up early and I'll get up and run and then I'll go and do this and then I'll go and do this. And obviously the wheels just come off sometimes and they did on Saturday, but um, <laughs> uh, two days later <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit better. And I've just had a straw hat put on my head. <laughs> Thanks. All the music of life seems to be Like a bell that is ringing for me from the way that I feel Well, that bell starts to peal I would swear I was falling Swear I was falling Why, it's almost like being in love Have I done enough training? Probably not Could I navigate my way round If Mark fell ill and couldn't do it? Probably not um, do I even have appropriate kit? Just about, but I haven't got any spares, so uh, yeah, just gotta hope for the best.